John chapter 6. I'm going to have you mark a couple of portions of Scripture tonight because we're going to be looking at a couple of them. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be reading first tonight. John chapter 6 and verse 14. John chapter 6 and verse 14. It says in John chapter 6, verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again to a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea, and entering into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Keep your finger there. Turn to, uh, put a, let's go over to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. This is a parallel portion of scripture here in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter number 14. Verse number 22, it says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, uh, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Now turn to Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. And uh, here in this portion of scripture in Mark chapter number 6, we want to look at verse number uh, 45. Excuse me. Yes, Mark chapter 6. It says in verse 45, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. 
And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when the even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and, alone on, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they, that, uh, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today to be able to open thy word once again. We thank you for this morning and the message that, God, you are a God who knows. You know our name, you know our fears, and Lord, you know how to provide for our needs. And tonight, as we consider this portion of Scripture, getting to the other side, Father, how important it is for us to learn the principles of getting from where we are to where you desire for us to be. Lord, in this life, we are just passing through. And Lord, you have promised that uh, we will one day be with you in heaven. What a comfort and what a joy that is. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we stop and ponder these important principles from thy word, that you'd help us, Lord, to realize that you will get us there safely. And Lord, all we have to do is keep our eyes upon you. Father, we thank you. We praise you tonight. And I pray, God, for your words to be used in a way to comfort our hearts, but also to strengthen us. And Lord, to I pray that it would cause us to draw close to you and, Lord, to, to sense your peace and strength in our lives on a daily basis. Father, if there's one without Christ, I pray once again that they would be saved and, Lord, we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible is filled with practical lessons for Christian learning. The impact, for example, of a little servant girl upon the house of Naaman who was a, a military leader she was a slave girl from the, from the Jews uh, that had been taken away, and she was in a, in a place where, you know, you could, have be, could become bitter because you were taken as a slave, but instead she focused on her God and how good her God was. And uh, Naaman, who was a, a uh, commander in one of the, the Assyrian army there, um, he was a leper, and he had a need. He had a problem. Leprosy was one that was incurable back in those days. And she said, you know what? I know that if, if my master, Naaman, went back there to, to where I was from, there was a man there, a man of God that could help them. You know what? There's a practical Christian living in the, the struggles and trials of life. We can become bitter or we can look to God and see what God can do in the midst of the trials that we have. We can look at another man called Job. Job was a man who loved God. The Bible says he feared God and he eschewed. He stayed away from evil. He wanted to live for God. And yet, uh, one of the things God allowed him to go through a time of, uh, of uh, great trials, not to destroy him, but to refine him and to make him a stronger uh, believer, a stronger saint. And you know, God does that with us, does he not? We go through trials. We go through struggles. It's not to destroy us. But God uses those to strengthen, to settle us through the trials of life and that our faith would be founded in the Lord. Or we could look at David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, David, who is the great psalmist, the great uh, uh, psalm singer, if you would, and the writer of the nation of Israel before he was king. 
Remember, he went through a lot of trials. Saul was out to try and kill him. He was on the run. He was having a difficult time. In fact, the, the men that were uh, drawn to David while he was apart from, from uh, while he was on, on the run were people that were discontented and people that were in debt. And, and all, you know, it sounds like a great group of people to be around, huh? Uh, discontented and debt. Those are the people that came to David. They found some encouragement uh, being around him. You know, when uh, David, he loved the Lord. There was hope. And uh, this time was a time of preparation for David and learning how to be the type of king that God wanted him to be. You know, when you can encourage people on a daily basis, and you're, the people that are, are discontent, people that are having difficulties, and you can keep pointing them to God, I'll tell you what, it builds your character. It helps you to become a one who looks to the Lord and, and realize that there's always a time of preparation. We could consider another man by the name of Moses. You say, well, pastor, what can we learn from Moses? Well, Moses was a man who thought he could do the work of God without God. He thought he could deliver the nation of Israel by slaying the Egyptians, uh, starting at one at a time. That would be a whole long. That would be that would take a whole long time to do it. When God took care of the Egyptian army, simple uh, by just causing the Red Sea to, to overflow the, uh, on top of them. Uh, but you know what? He learned for the first forty years how to be a somebody. Second forty years of his life, he learned how to be a nobody. And then the third forty years is when God began to really use him, and he learned how that God can use a nobody. You know, uh, God wants to work in us and through us, but pride many times stops us from being usable by God. Uh, we think we can do it without God. We can do it without his strength. Well, I submit to you tonight, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. In John chapter 6, verses 14 through 21, where we started off tonight, we see a, some more practical lessons uh, for us as Christians uh, this is an account of Jesus coming to his disciples on the water. And we want to look at this portion of scripture from the, the gospels. And not just one portion of the gospel, but these three that we've talked about before. I want you to see as we look at this tonight. First of all, the disciples attempt to get to the other side without the Lord. The disciples attempt to get to the other side of the sea without the Lord. Look at verse 14 through verse 17 uh, back at John chapter 6. And look what it says. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea, entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. You know, the four Gospels together uh, paint pictures of different aspects of these accounts. We saw three of these different uh, accounts in Matthew, Mark, and in John. In this one of uh, the disciples going across to the sea, uh, across the Sea of uh, Galilee to Capernaum. Now, as we look at it, it gives a clear picture as we look at these different, different Gospels. For example, this portion in John chapter 6, Jesus walking on the water is also found, as we said, in, in Matthew 14 and in Mark chapter 6. And as we examine these accounts, we see that each one gives us a little bit more of the picture. Uh, when people are, uh, when there, there's an accident or something happens, uh, usually what the police do or the sheriffs do, uh, they go and they look for uh, evidence, people that have seen it, and as they listen to their accounts, they get all the pieces and they put the pieces together to try to determine what has actually happened. 
Here in John chapter 6, verse 14, we find that, that the people were wanting to take Jesus by force. They want, didn't want to take him by force to kill him. They wanted to take him by force to be king. See, the Jews realized that one day the Messiah was going to come. They realized in the Old Testament, because it talks about him, that he was going to set up his kingdom. The book of Isaiah is a wonderful book, especially for the Jews, because it talks about the peace that was going to come when the Messiah was going to come. He was going to reign. The Jews would be on top. They would, they would have peace, and they would be, no more have this conflict. They would be ruling and reigning with the Messiah. And when Jesus came and he did the miracle, the miracle of the five loaves and the two fishes here in this portion, and fed 5,000. The people were excited about that. They thought, well, you know what? The Messiah's come. Let's make him king right now. Let's get this thing on. And we want to be at the top of the, top of the rung because they'd been under Roman domination for years. Interesting. God, though, had a different plan for his son. We know that, the, that, that uh, Jesus said, I came uh, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. The, pre the purpose of Jesus coming into the world, he came into the world to die. I've heard some Bible scholars or people of preachers that they preach from the pulpit, they said, if the people of Israel would have just accepted Jesus, he could have, he could have been king and set up his kingdom right then. That's a bunch of baloney. Because he would have had to refuse to fulfill all the Old Testament scripture that spoke about him. These people wanted to set him up as king right then. But he knew that the purpose for which he came was to die on a cross. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 22, where it talks about the Messiah and all that he went through. Uh, Isaiah 53, uh, that whole portion of scripture talking about he, he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All of that would have been useless if, he, if Jesus would have set up his kingdom rather than come to die. But the Father already knew that that's what Jesus came for. In Matthew's account, we find that Jesus is the one who gave the instruction for the disciples to go to the other side. Turn with me back to Matthew 14 and verse number 22. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22. As we read John's account, it just says, you know, they went down to the ship and then they went to the other side. Well, but look at what we find here in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. It says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The disciples did not just decide on their own that they were going to get on the ship and go down and, and just start going to the other side. No, Jesus had commanded them to go to the other side. Uh, they, were, they went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum, as we saw in, uh, toward Capernaum in John chapter 6, verse 17. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 45, it states that they were going toward Bethsaida, where Jesus did much of his teaching was there in that place. It's important to note the disciples were following the Lord's command. They were not just going to the other side because that's what they wanted to do. They were following the Lord's commands. You know, I think it's equally important to notice something, though, also, and that's this, that Jesus was not with them in the boat, but he, rather, went up to the mountaintop to pray. You say, Pastor, what's so significant about that point? Well, you know, we can try to do the Lord's will without the Lord's presence. 
Peter, Andrew, and John, uh, and, and James, they, they were fishermen. They knew how to maneuver a boat. That's what they did for a living before the Lord called them. I mean, they had been out on that Sea of Galilee many, many times. They'd been out there in the storms. They understood about how to, how to maneuver a ship. Being on a ship was second nature to these men. They knew how to operate the boat. They knew what was involved with sailing from one destination to another. They knew the mechanics, if you would, of what to do and how to do it. The problem was the Lord was not in the boat. The Lord was not in the boat. How many Christians know how to teach a Sunday school class? How to usher? How to sing? How to go soul winning? Work in a kitchen or even preach? We know the mechanics of preparing to sing, preparing a lesson, preparing to usher. Make sure all the things are right there. We know the mechanics. We go through it. You do it blindfolded. But we forget that we need the Lord to be with us if we're going to succeed. To get to the other side safely. You know, Moses understood this principle. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33 is, comes on the heels of the children of Israel just basically turning their back on the Lord. Moses had been up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. He'd been up there 40 days and 40 nights. He had wonderful fellowship with God. While he was up there having wonderful fellowship with God, down in the valley where all the people were, the people said, you know what? We don't know about Moses. What are we going to do? What should we do? And Aaron, who was supposed to be the spiritual leader, said, I'll tell you what. You bring all your gold earrings and you bring your gold and give it to me. And uh, he did. They did. And he fashioned, the Bible says, he fashioned a golden calf. And he said, these be your gods, Israel. And they were dancing and they were singing and they were making themselves uh, naked before the Lord. And God was angry and God told Moses to go down. He said, man, I'm just going to destroy all these people and I'm going to give you another people, uh, Moses. And Moses pled for those people. He prayed and he begged God that he, would, that he would not destroy them. And God heard his prayer. You know what? God does hear our prayers. God does answer. And it was because of the prayer of Moses, not once, but several times. When God was wanting to destroy the nation of Israel because of their evil, their wicked hearts, their stiff neck, their rebelliousness, it was Moses who prayed for them that God would, that, that God would withhold his hand from that. And so God did, and when he came down, and uh, remember with the, uh, Moses comes down, he says, who's on the Lord's side? And the, 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 uh, the, the 12 tribes, only Levi, came and identified with Moses. That means the other tribes, the other 11 tribes, hey, they, were, they, weren't on, they weren't on the Lord's side. They were going a different direction. Moses had them strap on their sword, and he said, now go in and out amongst, amongst your brethren here and slay those people. Some 3,000 people were killed. You say, well, pastor, that wasn't very loving and kind. That whole group of people would have been killed had it not been for the prayer, I believe, of Moses praying on behalf of it. Moses, now as he's looking at this, this, this has transpired and, and gone on, and now we're into chapter 33, and look at this portion of Scripture. 
In chapter 33, verse number 12, Moses is talking with the Lord. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know uh, whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Remember what we talked about this morning? That God knew, that God knew uh, Jacob's name. He knew him by name. God knew Moses' name too. He said, I know thee by name. He knew Moses' name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he, talking of God, said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Notice verse 15. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If you don't go with me, Lord, I don't want to go. Folks, I, I pray that that's where your heart is today. If God's not going to be with you, if his presence is not going to go with you, if he's not going to give you the power in your life, Lord, I'll just stay where I'm at. God, Moses realized he couldn't get through this, this uh, job, this work that God had for him, unless God was with him. Folks, can I tell you something tonight? You can't get through this life and do what God wants you to accomplish without the Lord. There are a lot of Christians today that are trying to do the work of God without the power of God, without the presence of God. Moses understood that he needed the Lord. Now, there are many Christians who plan their day, but they never take a second thought as to what the Lord would have them to do or even think about the Lord guiding their way. They have run the show so long for themselves. They know the mechanics of what it takes to do their job. They don't need the Lord's help. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct the Lord. We need the Lord to guide our life. We need the Lord to guide our life. Look at Psalm 78, verse 72. Psalm chapter 78 and verse number 72. Psalm 78 Verse number 72. It says, So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart, talking about the Lord, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. The Lord guided the nation of Israel by the skillful, skillfulness of his hand. You know, I'm glad that I've got a God who knows the way. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is what? Follow. Uh, strength for today is mine all the way, and all I need for tomorrow, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. You say, Pastor, that doesn't seem like that's very hard. Oh, it's a lot harder than you think. Just to follow the Lord, because you know what? Our eyes get on things, on self, or on others. And it's easy for us to get off of following the Lord. But the place of your peace, the place of, of God's strength, and his perfect will is to follow him, to follow him. Do you live your life without the presence of the Lord? You say, well, pastor, when I got saved, the Lord comes to live inside me. Yes, he does come to live inside us. But you know what? So often we say, Lord, you know what? I don't need you on this trip. I'll, I'll pick you up on the way coming back. That's kind of like when Abraham went down, when God told him to stay in the land of Canaan, he went ahead and went on down a little bit further. 
His son did the same thing. He followed an example a little bit later. Folks, can I tell you something? Uh, you need the Lord all the time, just like I do. We need the Lord. Or are you like Moses? Lord, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I'm going to stay right here. Psalms 25, verse 5, it says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Do you wait on God? You know, some people, when we get impatient, what do we do? We leave. Uh, you know, uh, you can, uh, as parents, you got kids and the kids are, you know, you think that they're, they're with you and so forth. And, and sometimes if you're not careful, you get in such a hurry because you got your mindset going some other place and you can forget a child or two. Amen? Especially if you had a whole bunch of them. Hey, that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was down there and, and uh, he was down there for one of the feast days with all their cousins and friends and everybody. And mom and dad uh, went with the rest of the crowd and they left Jesus. Can you imagine leaving Jesus? Man, I mean, that, you're, 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 you've been given a precious uh, gift, the Lord, and you leave him. You forget him. Boy, that's pretty sad. They come back and find him. Well, where was he? He was, he was talking with the doctors, and, and I'm talking about the medical doctors. He was talking about the people that were the doctors of the law. They, they studied the law, and he was answering their questions. Here's a 12-year-old here's a boy answering the questions of all these people who have I've studied the Bible all my life, and I know, just look at me. And he says, let me just tell you, uh, here's Jesus. I think he would know the Word of God, don't you think? Since he wrote it, I think he would know it pretty well. The Spirit of God was in him. Uh, look at Psalm chapter 31. Psalm chapter 31, verse number 1. Oh, we need the Lord. We need the Lord's strength. We need his guidance. Psalm 31, verse number 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of de uh, defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Here, the, the psalmist David, as he's crying out to God, he wanted God to lead him. Is that, what you, is that who you want to lead you in your life? Dear friend, it's not something that's it's an option. It's something we must have in our life, especially if we want to live God's way. Notice something else about uh, this portion of Scripture as we look back at John chapter 6. Go back to John chapter number 6 again. That the disciples encountered, uh, encountered trials along the way. John chapter 6 and verse 18. It says, And the sea rose um, arose by reason of a great wind that blew. In Matthew and Mark's account, we find a little more in information. In, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In Mark's account, in Mark chapter 6, we saw them toiling and rowing, for the, for the wind was contrary to them. A wind had come up on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the Bible says it was contrary to them. You know, they were trying to do what the Lord had told them to do. It seems like a loving God would at least make the wind go in their direction. But instead, the wind was doing what? Going in the opposite direction. You know, in Isaiah 55... Verse number 8 and 9. It's a great verse. Look over there with me. 
Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. It would behoove us to get this firmly fixed into our mind because we think God is going to work in a certain way or should work in a certain way because that's how we would do it. I was talking with the folk as they were going out soul winning yesterday. I said, you know what? Uh, I'm glad that I'm not God. And you should be glad that I'm not God too. Amen? Uh, boy, I tell you what, talk about responsibility. God's got a lot of responsibility, but he can handle it. He's God. Uh, you know, you look at James and John when, when people didn't, uh, didn't listen to Jesus and they weren't open to Jesus. They just want to call down fire from heaven and just to and toast him right there. Uh, make him post toasties right there. But Jesus says, you don't, you don't know what spirit you're of. Here in this portion of scripture in Isaiah 55, verse 8, the Lord says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Your thoughts and God's thoughts are not on the same plane. You say, well, pastor, I just, I just live my life and I'm just going to do whatever. I can tell you something. If you're going to live your life like that, I can guarantee you, your thoughts will not be like God's thoughts. The only way that you're going to think God's thoughts, the way that God thinks, is to commit this book to your heart and life. When you read the Word of God, when you study the Word of God and memorize the Word of God, you're thinking God's thoughts after Him. You start seeing things from a different way, through a different focus. And here, God says, my ways of doing things are different than what you would do. For example, when we were talking about uh, David going to be king. It seems like David should go to school and he should be around the, 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 you know, the people of the, the kingdom and, and learn that way and then he'd just step right up into that position. But instead, we have King Saul who hated him and he was on the run from Saul and he, for that uh, period of time, from being a young boy, uh, for many, many years was on, a, on the run from, from, uh, from him. You say, well, that's not the way I do it. Well, I know that's the reason why God says his thoughts are not our thoughts. You say, well, I think going from point A to point B, uh, uh, point C, excuse me, is the, is the correct way. And God says, well, I'm going to get you there, but I'm going to take you from this over to here and then over to here. You say, well, I think it's a, a better path just to go straight line. Yes, I understand that. But like Joseph, Joseph, you know, he was going to be second in command in Egypt. But God took him through, his, through the, the, me, the, the means of his brother and they, brothers, and they sold him. And then he goes and becomes a servant. Then he's lied about and becomes a slave. And then he's uh, there for several years. And then he's raised up from the pit to the palace. Well, that, that seems like a lot of wasted time. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's not wasted time. It was all preparation for the job that he had to do. And you know, God has a plan for you and for me. And God is working through those plans. And here, the disciples, as they're trying to do what God says, if the winds were blowing in their direction, they wouldn't feel as great a need for the Lord's help. But it's because the winds were contrary to them that they realized that they weren't getting anywhere. Folks, may I share with you, what do we do when things are going great? We don't tend to look to the Lord as much as we do 
when things are going bad. When things are going bad, what do we do? We cry out. What trials has the Lord allowed you to come into that have directed you more to Him? You say, well, Pastor, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, uh, the, the, I, I, did, I just had gone through some real trials. But you know what? Those trials drive you to the Lord. How much more you need His strength. How much more you need His help. He's trying to get you to realize that you need Him more in your life, not less. He's trying to get you to draw closer to His side rather than allowing you to wander away to do your own thing. I want you to see the third thing as we consider here. The disciples got a redirected focus. Go back to John, if you would. John chapter 6 and verse number 19. John chapter 6 and verse number 19. It says, So when they had rowed about five or, and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. He said, well, Pastor, what's 25 or 30 furlongs? About 3.1 miles. So they'd been out there in the middle of the sea. It wasn't going to be something that was going to be easy to get back to. In Matthew's account here, we find, as it says in verse number 20, um, 25, excuse me, in uh, Matthew's account, in uh, Chapter 14, verse 25, it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, uh, Jesus came unto them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night, you say, what is that? Well, the, the uh, night time, uh, the Jews have a, a, uh, two 12-hour sections. From 6 in the morning to 6 at night is the daytime. From 6 at night to 6 in the morning is the evening time. When they were talking about a watch, it would go from 6 to 9 would be the first watch. From 9 to 12 would be the second watch. From 12 to 3 would be the third watch. And then from 3 to 6 would be the fourth watch. So these guys are out in the middle of the night, early morning, and they've been toiling. They've been working to get to the place where the Lord had said. They were struggling. And uh, as we look at uh, Mark's account, it's interesting to note in Mark 6, verse 48, and he, he talking of, of, of Jesus, saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. The significant thing, I think, is this, is that Jesus came to where they were. Here in this portion, in, in Mark's account, he walked as if he was going to walk right on by them. He said, well, that doesn't sound much like a loving Savior. I mean, they're, they're toiling. They're out here rowing. Here she's walking right on by. Uh, he's walking on the water. Hey, guys, I'll see you on the other side. Could, I don't know about you. I've been out on, on the, the ocean uh, deep sea fishing. If I, you know, I've seen some boats go down and come up. It's nothing different to see a boat on the top of the wave. Uh, one, uh, one of the boats, we were out uh, going out of Eureka, and uh, the waves were pretty, pretty big, you know, and, and uh, I'd been out in the ocean before and, and was uh, doing salmon fishing, and, and uh, so I had taken Dramamine, the people that were with me said, ah, oh, we don't need that, we're tough. I thought, oh boy, this is not going to be a good show. So they decided that they didn't need it, so they, uh, they didn't take any Dramamine. So when they got on the boat, and the boat starts doing this, Pretty soon, they're like this. Over the, they're feeding the fish on the side. 
and uh, there was like five of us, uh, six of us all told, and I was, uh, I was up there, and I took my me and I didn't have any problem. I was just, you know, and then the, the waves were going down and going up and down and up, and, I, and we had a motor on ours, and I thought, you know what, as I'm looking around, you could see, you know, the waves, you'd be on the top of the wave, and then it would go down, and you wouldn't see anything, and then you'd come back up on the top. I said, man, I'll tell you what, I don't see anybody. I, don't see, I won't see anybody out here in a little rowboat. And all of a sudden, on the top of the wave, here comes this guy in a rowboat. Because <laughs> we were out of ways. I'm thinking, man, this guy had to row a long ways. No way would I be caught out there dead on a rowboat. Uh, but that's what he was. He was out there on the top with a rowboat. But to think of somebody, not in a rowboat, but just walking on the water. I tell you what, these guys, when they saw Jesus walking on the water, it scared them. It scared them. Uh, but Jesus came to where, where they were, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the wind, in the midst of all that was going on. Jesus came to where they were. May I share with you that Jesus comes to us in the midst of our trials. And that portion of Scripture, as we look here in this portion, he... he uh, it says, and he would have passed by them. Why would he do something like that? Well, Jesus often comes to us in our times of need, but we tend to brush him off. And we're looking for something else other than Jesus. Folks, I submit to you today, Jesus just wanted to see, hey, how much do you really want me with you? question we need to ask ourselves today in the midst of our trial, how much do we really want Jesus to help us for his peace and for his strength? Oh, I can get through this on my own, Jesus. I, you know, I, I'm a pretty strong person. I'll tell you, you're gonna, the Lord's going to let you go through some great trials to help you to realize you can't get through this life without him. You need the Lord. Do we really want Jesus to be in our boat? Do we want his presence? He's waiting for us to call upon him. In Matthew's account, Peter, look, go back over there, Matthew chapter 14, verse 16. Peter wants to go to Jesus. When he sees him, and they were afraid and they cried out. And Jesus said in, in uh, uh, verse 27, but Jesus said, he spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. When they realized it was Jesus out there, Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Well, that's faith. You say, oh, pastor, what about those other disciples? They didn't ask to go to Jesus. They were riding out the storm. Jesus was outside the boat. Peter said, Lord, I want to go where you are. I want to be able to do what you do. I can imagine Peter throws his leg over the side, starts stepping out on that, that water. I mean, the waves were still going. The wind is still blowing. Peter takes out, puts that first step down. And then the next one, wow, pretty amazing. And he starts taking a few more, gets a little bit further away from the, away from the ship. And then all of a sudden, he starts looking at the waves. The waves are coming up and the wind is blowing. And he started getting his eyes on those things rather than on Jesus. But he was doing it. His faith was there, but his faith began to do what? Began to fail. And he began to sink. Folks, God desires for us to step out in faith and walk with him. 
But you've got to get outside the boat before you can walk with him. Well, pastor, I love the security of, of my job. I love the security of what I do. I'm going to stay inside the boat. Jesus, you come inside the boat, and that'll be okay, and everything will be fine. Peter said, you know what? I want to go where you are. I want to do what you do, Lord. I want to follow you where you are. What's it going to take for you to get out of the boat? Take a step of faith and say, God, okay, use me some way. In a great and mighty way. Say, so, well, I don't know what God can do with me. I was listening to uh, Dr. Gibbs preach one of his messages, great message. He was talking about the fact, we heard him last Sunday night, but uh, he was talking about the issue of his mom and uh, teaching a Sunday school class. And in that Sunday school class, there was only... Uh, two people in the Sunday school class, Brother Gibbs and his sister. He says, well, that's not a very exciting Sunday school class. His wife or his mom went through some health problems and, and uh, she uh, was unable to walk and as a result of this and she got a burden. And she, she told uh, uh, Brother Gibbs, she says, you know what? Uh, we need to see God, uh, we need to do something about the Sunday school class growing. And uh, she couldn't walk. She couldn't get around. And, uh, but she asked God to do something. And so she, uh, she comes and, and uh, she says, you know what? We need to get a bus. Well, if you had a bus, you'd have to have a bus driver. But she couldn't drive. So she went to the town where they lived and, and went to one of the bus companies and said, I need to have a bus to pick up kids for for Sunday school. He looked at her, kind of laughed, said, what do you mean, pick up kids for Sunday school? Uh, you need money for that. And uh, she says, I know, but I've asked. She asked the Lord. And she said, and he said, well, ma'am, we, 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 we can't do that. He said, well, yeah, I need a bus, and I need a bus driver. Because you can see, I can't drive. And so... After talking with her and stuff, the guy says, okay, I'll give you a bus with one bus driver for one week. She said, well, I need two buses. Well, if I need two buses, I need what? Two bus drivers. He said, okay, ma'am, I'll give you two buses. Two bus drivers for one week. Well, the next week, he gave her three buses. And then he gave her four buses. It got up to a point where they were giving 55 buses loaded with kids. Could you imagine? <laughs> 55 buses with bus drivers that were being supplied to go pick up these kids. You say, well, Pastor, I don't think God could do that. He did. She then had a burden for people going to church, and she went to the city council and said, I would like you to... I would like you to uh, to uh, give free bus, transport, bus transportation to anybody who wants to go to church. And they said, lady, we're not, we're not going to give free bus transportation to people that want to go to church and hear the, hear the gospel preached. said, I've asked the Lord. And the guy who was the bus, had that bus, all those buses and stuff, he just sat back and started laughing. He said, let me just tell you something. You better, you better listen because when she asks God, God gives it to her. 
Folks, you know what that is? That's called stepping out in faith. Ask and you shall what? Receive. Do you not think that God can do great things? God can do anything. But you know what? We have not because we ask not. Why not ask God? Why? If Peter would have stayed in that boat, oh yes, Peter would have been the safety of the boat, but Peter walked on water because he asked. Folks, God wants to use you in ways, and he wants to use me in ways beyond what we could ever think. But we must be willing to ask. We must be willing to get out of our safety zone and our comfort zone and say, God, by faith, I want you to do something great that you would be magnified and honored. Well, people better recognize me. Peter wasn't looking. Look at me. I'm out walking. Oh, no, that's not. The Lord Jesus Christ, when, he, when Peter began to sink, the Lord was there and raised him up. I want you to consider tonight as we look about this. In Matthew and Mark's account, when Jesus got into the boat, the Bible says the wind ceased. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 32, it says, And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. In Mark 6, 15, 51, excuse me, it says, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. You know, Jesus didn't calm the wind until he was in the boat. In John chapter 6, verse 21, it says, And they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. You know, Jesus doesn't always stop the winds in our life, but when he's in our life, he makes the winds to cease, and it will cause and he, will, and he will come, and we will come to our destination safely. You know, we can try to live our Christian life in one of two ways. Either with the Lord or without the Lord. If you try to live your Christian life without the Lord, you say, well, Pastor, I have him as my Savior, so I must, be, I must have him. You know, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It's abiding in the Lord. Wanting Him to direct your life. You, when you want that, and you desire that in your life, there's a difference between that and trying to live it on your own. When you try to live your Christian life without Jesus, you're going to be frustrated. You'll feel guilt because you can't do what God says to do. On the flip side of that, when you come to that point, and you yield your life to the Lord, he will give you the strength you need. He can do what you cannot do. And tonight, as we see here in this portion of Scripture, we ought to yield our life to the Lord and let Him be with us. Amen? Let Him guide our path. Let Him direct our steps. And we will reach the destination in peace. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, tonight we thank You for this time in Your Word. I thank You for the writers of thy word and giving us different perspectives of this very important message. Lord, I pray tonight that you would cause us to realize this, uh, this idea of trying to get to the other side without the Lord, trying to do the work of the Lord, doing what God says to do 
without the power of the Lord in our life. Lord, that's so useless. But Lord, with your power, we can see great and mighty things done for you. Father, there's a lost town all around us. There's a, a valley up here in, in this area, Bitterroot Valley, that desperately needs a Savior. Father, we can't save anyone. But Lord, you can bring people to their knees. You can cause them to realize their need for the Savior. You can cause them, Lord, to realize that there is salvation, that there's forgiveness, there's deliverance from sin, if they'll only but come to Jesus Christ and ask him into their life to be their Savior. Father, you said, whosoever will may come. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Father, tonight I do pray that if there's one without Jesus Christ, that tonight that they would receive Christ into their heart by praying and asking him to be their Savior. Lord, it's so simple. It's just humbling ourselves and realizing that we are sinners and we need a Savior. We need him to guide us and to show us the way. And Lord, I pray tonight that if there's one without Jesus, one who's hearing the, the message of the gospel tonight, that they would put their trust and faith in Jesus and bow their heart before you and just cry out to you and ask you to save them. Lord, there may be Christians here tonight that are trying to live the Christian life without your power. Father, tonight I pray that we, as we've looked into your word, that we have seen tonight we need you desperately. Moment by moment, we're kept by your love. Lord, we need thee. Oh, we need thee. Every hour we need thee. Father, more and more as these days are approaching, when Jesus Christ is coming back, we need your grace. We need your mercy. And Father, I pray tonight that we would call out to you and draw close to you in these trying and challenging times. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your songbooks tonight. Turn to